The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Welcome to this service of ordered worship, which is offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. On this first Sunday of the month, as is our custom, we welcome all of whatever age, station, or background to participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Those listening on the radio may request communion in the home by calling the chapel office. On this first Sunday, we commend to you the ministry of the chapel and its various offerings found on our website. On this Sunday, we invite those so moved to identify as members of the chapel chapter by speaking with our director of hospitality or by leaving a note in the collection plate. And on this Sunday, we encourage all to continue or to commence the practice of tithing, of disciplined generosity, and to indicate interest in giving to our chapel director. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. O God, whose blessed Son came into the world that he might destroy the works of the devil and make us children of God and heirs of eternal life, grant that having this hope, we may purify ourselves as he is pure, that when he comes again with power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom, where he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 and 13 through 17. As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as though from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was still with you? But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. For this purpose he called you through our proclamation of the good news, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. The word of the Lord.
Let us say responsively verses from Psalm 145 with the antiphon. my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. The Lord's greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. All the Lord's ways are just. All the Lord's doings are kind. The Lord is near to all who call, to all who call upon the Lord in truth. The Lord fulfills the desire of all the faithful and hears their cry and saves them. All who love the Lord, the Lord preserves. All the wicked, the Lord destroys. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless God's holy name forever and ever. And now, beloved, rise up, in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo and the reading of the Gospel.
The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 20, verses 27 through 38. Glory to you, O Lord. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked, asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, the first married and died childless, then the second and the third married her, and so on in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place, Worthy in a place in the resurrection. Those who belong to this age are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore, because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. To begin September, we meditated together upon the meaning of Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, found in remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. To begin October, we meditated together upon the meaning of the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, Eucharist, in thanksgiving. The word Eucharist means thanksgiving. Today we meditate together to complete the triad upon the meaning of the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, Eucharist in presence in which we trust real presence wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be also. We gather too with our differences. A friend has reminded me of a passage not long ago uh, wherein Charlie Brown and Linus are speaking. This conversation may have occurred following Halloween and prior to Christmas because Linus was lamenting the non-appearance of the great pumpkin to which Charlie Brown replied, Linus, the great pumpkin is not real, which was devastating to his friend. And a frame and a sigh and a starry night to which later Linus retorts, well, he may not be, but he's a lot more real than that heavy-set, bearded, red-garbed, reindeer sleigh fellow you're waiting for at the end of the year, which was devastating to his friend. A frame, a starry night, a sigh, after which Charlie Brown writes, The world is full of theological differences. As if we weren't keenly enough aware of the differences among and between us in this age, our texts today set as a background 
to a great announcement about presence, some honest reflection and record of difference. Second Thessalonians, written by a student of the Apostle Paul some 50 years after Paul's martyrdom, records a dispute in the church about whether or not the Lord's day had already come. He wouldn't bring it up if someone weren't arguing so. And so this student, writing pseudonymously, goes and finds treasures from his heritage about a man of lawlessness and about a rebellion. You can tell, even in the hearing and translation, that he's not quite comfortable using this ancient language, but he has a point to make. It's the same point that 50 years then later, Second Peter will make in the middle of the second century, which is the day of the Lord comes, but the Lord's days are not exactly our days, and the, the days of the Lord are not exactly quite the same length as our days, and we shall need to wait in confidence. He places this conflict as a background against a great and a large pronouncement for which we shall listen in just a moment. Likewise, in Luke, the 20th chapter, we have returned to common ground. The Lucan portion of Luke's gospel has ended in chapter 19. You know those chapters 9 to 19 in which Luke gives all of his own material. And we've returned to a familiar account of Leverite marriage found in Mark and in Matthew, the account of the dispute between the Pharisees who do not believe in the resurrection and those who, excuse me, the Pharisees who do believe in the resurrection and those who do not believe in the resurrection, those who are sad you see, the sad you sees. They are arguing about the place of a woman married seven times. And Luke records this in a very different way from his source in Mark. In Mark, Jesus is harsh. In Mark, Jesus rebukes. In Mark, Jesus says, you know not neither the power of God nor the truth of the scriptures and concludes his dialogue with this tart sentence, you are wrong. But here in Luke, the dialogue is Socratic, the love is platonic, the tone is irenic. It's like a course at the end of the term when the evaluations are all fives out of five. Oh, so sweet. Teacher, you have spoken well. It is smooth. It is some 30 years after Mark, which is some 40 years itself after the cross and resurrection. And yet here, too, there is difference. There is contention about the meaning of resurrection. Set as a backdrop for a great high acclamation for which we will listen, good news, good news, in just a moment. But you know, to follow these texts and come to the table, we we need to have candor. We need to be honest with ourselves. We too know about difference. We know that things don't always work out. That not all relationships succeed. That some relationships end. And that some end badly 
That's why they end. And we recognize our differences, some social, some cultural, some political, those deepest and most lasting, broadly speaking, most probably they religious themselves. We recognize difference even as these writers did, acknowledging too something else on the far side of difference. And that is that, as you know, the denouement of one friendship, friendship is holy, allows for the possibility of the birth of something new and something other, perhaps something more lasting. The conclusion of one partnership of whatever sort allows the birth of something new, something even more lasting. In communities of faith as well, we look for hunger for need and deserve, you need and deserve, a church family to love and a church home to enjoy. Community is the native soil of the human spirit. How I wish I had written that sentence. I didn't, that's Howard Thurman. Community is the native soil of the human spirit. On the far side of these and other differences, these strange ancient apocalyptic debates, and our own more current existential experience, we have and we acclaim the possibility of presence. The psalmist writes, in thy presence there is fullness of joy. Our texts speak of human beings, she and he, you and him, as if in another mode we might be angelic. It reminds me of C.S. Lewis who once wrote, following his own struggle to conversion, that he said, once you relate to another human being, you might keep in mind that in another mode, that woman or man might become a being whom you would be sorely tempted to worship and angelic being. It makes us careful, doesn't it? It makes us cautious. It may even make us a little bit a little bit more humble, a little bit more kind. Presence, not just remembrance, not just thanksgiving, but real presence. This past week, Ellie Bissell remembered a young rabbi, precocious, who was asked by a veteran, I will give you a gold coin if you will tell me where God is. To which the young man replied, I will give you five if you will tell me where he is not. Presence, real presence. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. Those listening on the radio may want to imagine where we are. Before me is a loving, giving, singing 
congregation to left and right are beautiful conic stained glass windows which recount the story and the history of the teaching of the church. Beside me is the table, the altar spread, all is ready for all who are able and willing to come. The choir surrounding us, an angelic chorus to lift our hearts and spirits. And you, listening at the kitchen table, in the den, driving the car, are part of our radio congregation, which is an oxymoron, actually. A congregation that is by radio is an ungathered congregation. Except in this moment especially, it reminds us of presence. You are here. Presence that has no boundary, no limit, no zip code. You are present with us, and we, by grace, with you. No, we cannot give you today a a novel theology of real presence so dear to John Wesley's heart, this teaching, but with him we may simply practice such presence and bear witness. Jan and I began our experience together of Eucharistic presence under the stentorian voice of William Sloan Coffin at Riverside Church. He tried come Communion Sunday to fit his ample Presbyterian self into a straightened Baptist liturgy. I hear his voice still. There's more mercy in God than there is sin in us. I hear his voice still. Guilt is the last hiding place of pride. I hear his voice still. I'm not okay. And you're not okay. But that's okay. I hear his voice still. The separation of church and state does not mean the separation of a Christian from her politics. And the ringing of that great tower and its bells, I hear it still. Real presence, 1977. We went north to Ithaca where, because I didn't have ordination, an elderly man who had walked across Africa, Royce Myers in his youth, administered the communion. He had served that church in the 1920s. He followed John R. Mott, and he knew Pearl Buck, who lived in the parsonage with her husband later in that decade. I can see his shoe as with humility he offered us cup and bread, real presence. We went north just an hour south of Montreal to there on the banks of the St. Lawrence River one Monday Thursday to celebrate communion. In the town, Laura Ingalls Wilder describes in her book, Farmer Boy. Except that night, the furnace gave way, and it's cold in March in North Franklin County. So we found ourselves, all 75, in the parsonage itself. Some had been in the barn, some had been at the workplace, some had been at school, and together we were for bread and cup on the stairs, at the table, around the piano. Real presence. One Christmas Eve in the Syracuse University neighborhood in the 1990s, it was communion at midnight. We had eight new international students just struggling with the vagaries of the English language, holding candles as the wax dripped, trying to figure out which side was up in the hymnal, celebrating together with us. As the sermon mentioned, Ernie Davis, real presence. And then in the city of Rochester, under a pulpit like Coffin's itself, 15 feet above contradiction, as we like to say, on a moment unexpected, at a service 
of communion at the rail, a young woman whom we hadn't seen in several decades came forward with face full of tears and, and smile both. In the setting of those who were buried there, those about whom Coffin taught us, Coffin taught us about Douglas and Anthony and Katie and Rauschenbusch, real presence. And today, Marsh Chapel, 2010, we might say in the spirit of presence alongside James Bashford, alongside Daniel Marsh, alongside Earl Marlott, with you, with him. Presence, presence, presence. Spirit consoling, let us find thy hand when sorrows leave us blind. In the gray valley, let us hear thy silent voice. Lo, I am near.
seated. Beloved, as we make our way to this table of grace and holy meal, we draw your attention to the notices in our bulletin and on our website. We particularly welcome today as our celebrant, our friend and colleague, Father Joshua Thomas, who is our university Episcopal chaplain and has graced us so before with his presence. We invite each of you, all of you, to join us following worship for community meal and our community luncheon traditional for us on this first Sunday. We draw your attention to the opportunities for devotion, education, and mission found printed in your bulletin, even as we continue to worship God by gathering ourselves and presenting our tithes and offerings.
things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham and Sarah, God of Miriam and Moses, God of Joshua and Deborah, God of Ruth and David. God of the priests and the prophets, God of Mary and Joseph, God of the apostles and the martyrs, God of our mothers and our fathers, God of our children to all generations. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, 
do this for the remembrance of me. When the supper was ended, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray.
Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have been yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.